Good morning, neighbors. I'm Lady Elaine, Mr. Fuller's nosy. I, I mean friendly neighbor, friendly neighbor, yes. Lady Elaine here, newest president of Busy Bodies Anonymous in the Tri-County area. So listen, I heard Mr. McNasty is in Mr. Fuller's front yard right now with a stick of dynamite. Don't you want to see what happens? I know I do. Let's follow the trolley. Welcome everyone to the third Lakewood HOA dynamite demolition ceremony. Yay! Explosions! I am your duly elected dictator, er, chairman, Mr. McNasty. As you all know, Mr. Fuller has failed to evacuate our neighborhood in an acceptable amount of time. Therefore, we will be taking the appropriate actions. Demolition by dynamite. Yay! Explosions! Stand back, everyone. Three, two... Halt! Who are you? Howdy. I am Sam Goodwill, enforcement officer for the Federal Department of Concerned and Actively Involved Community-Minded Homeowners Associations. Excellent. You're just in time to witness our ceremonial demolition. Yay! Explosions! I am afraid I cannot let you do that. But, uh, I'm the chairman. You certainly do not have the authority to destroy a neighbor's property. But it's for the good of the neighborhood. Not according to the letters we've been receiving stating that Mr. Fuller is an upstanding neighbor being unfairly targeted. But, uh, he's a Canadian. Boo! That information does indeed cause me great concern. However, it does not warrant the use of explosives. Uh, I guess you're right. Oh, hey, look over there. There's an unmowed lawn. What? Where? Where? Three, two, and... Yay! Explosions! Stop that. Yeah, uh, take that and that and that, you fiend. Oh, Mr. McNasty, you are under arrest. And I hereby strip you of your duties as the Lakewood Community Homeowners Association Dictator Chairman. But who will keep all the neighbors in line? Oh, I'm so glad they didn't blow up Mr. Fuller's house, especially since I just realized I'm in it. So, but listen. Since Mr. McNasty is out of the way, we need a new HOA chairman. Any suggestions? Hmm? Hmm? Maybe somebody tall, blonde hair, always wears a blue shirt, Canadian. Mr. Fuller, did I hear it? Did I hear it? I didn't. That's okay. I'll suggest him. Don't worry. Yes. Yes. Let's take a vote. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Oh, majority. Excellent. We don't really need that in the HOA. Hello, Lady Elaine. So good to see you oh, today. Oh, Mr. Fuller. Welcome home. Thank you. What are you doing in my home? Just wondering. Just, just tidying up, just you know. Just tidying up. Just good to see you. So, so what's the news today? Well, congratulations. We've all just voted that you're the new HOA president. No. Moi? Well, this is such an honor. I can't believe that, that you would bestow this upon Wait. me. And you know what's so beautiful about this is now we as a neighborhood can 
truly love each other. We can love our neighbors. We can be kind to our neighbors. We can be kind to one another. We can stop being mean to one another. We can stop doing rude things to one another. We can stop parking in front of my house when I don't want people to park in front of my house. I could have more of a say in the dogs barking in the community. I could shut some of those little yappers up and my neighbor, I could get him to stop going poop on my yard. And then Mr. McGillicuddy, who sends all those letters to the HOA, now they're going to come to me and I can do whatever I want with them. I can send letters to Mr. McGillicuddy. I can send letters to everybody because I'm now the president of the HOA. <laughs> Neighbors, you'll be hearing more from me. <laughs> a little dark, didn't it? We just didn't want you to think you knew where everything was going here. But anyway, uh, if you are new with us, welcome. So glad you're here. My name is Alan. We are doing this series called Won't You Be My Neighbor, where we're taking the command of Jesus seriously when he says that we are to love our neighbors. So what we're doing in this series is we're looking at what that would look like. And what we're doing is looking at one story, one of the most famous stories that Jesus tells, the story of the Good Samaritan. And over five weeks, we've been walking out different aspects of the story and looking at different characters in this story. We started by looking at the expert in the law and how he had an interaction with Jesus that prompted Jesus to, to tell the story. And then we looked at the priest and the Levite who, who abandoned the wounded traveler on the side of the road and did not respond well. And we looked at the Good Samaritan himself. And then last time, we looked at the wounded traveler. Well, today, I want to take a look at the fifth character in this story. I want to actually look at the innkeeper, the one to whom this wounded traveler was brought. Could you imagine his experience with this story? Could you imagine him just sitting there on a, on a work day and this low-life Samaritan walks into his inn? And remember, you know, the Samaritans were looked down upon by Jewish people. And so here's this Samaritan walking in with a half-naked, half-dead Jewish person, walks in and says, I've, I can't stay, but I, I need you to take care of this guy, and I'm going to take off, and I will come back. He says, just like Terminator, I'll be back, he says. And he takes off. Could you imagine the innkeeper's experience with this? The point I want to make today, and the thing I want to look at today is, as we wrap up this series, I actually want to look at some practical little things on how we can love our neighbors. But, but the general idea is people are watching. As you and I love our neighbors, as you and I respond to the command of Jesus that we are to be kind to our neighbors, even at times when it's an inconvenience to us, that people are watching. People are listening because they want to know, how is a follower of Christ going to handle this situation? How is a follower of Christ going to respond to this situation, to that person? People are watching you 
and they're watching me. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I, I do once again, thank you for this story. I thank you for the, the layers of it. I thank you that um, we could take any one of your stories and we could just soak in it for a while. So God, I pray that uh, once again today you would speak to us, that we wouldn't be wasting our time here in this space, but that we would look at your story and that we'd be open to what you have for us. You're the one who understands all. You're the one who, who laid out the story. You're the one who provides us with neighbors. You're the one who provides us with opportunities. God, we want to hear from you today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's take a look at this story one final time. The story's found in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, if you have a digital version of a Bible with you, I invite you to turn there with me. Luke chapter 10 is the only version of this story that we find in Scripture. And I want to take a look once again at the kind of the climax of the story in verses 33 through 35. Luke writes this in the middle of the story. A Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was, the wounded healer, half naked, half dead on the side of the road. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. There's a phrase in this story that pops up for me that he, he says, he says, I'll come back and I'll reimburse you for any extra expense. He, he says to a business person, I'll take care of any extra expense. How comfortable would you be saying that to a stranger business person? How comfortable would you be saying that to your mechanic? Would you ever just drive the car in and say, I'm not sure what's wrong with it. Just take care of it and I will take care of any extra expense. I'd never do that. I go in for a $25 oil change and they come back with a list of $2,000 worth of work they, that has to be done on my car. I won't be able to make it home, right? And so, so I'm not saying all mechanics, you know, there's, a, there's great mechanics, right? But, but, but how often would you say to somebody, any extra expense? What an opportunity this would have been for the innkeeper, <laughs> right? How would you have handled that situation if you were the innkeeper and you had this set before you and someone's leaving and you just get to give them whatever bill you want at the, at, when they return? How would you handle it? Now, I know you'd be honest. I know you people, you'd be honest. You would only do what is needed and you'd probably charge a little bit less because of the grace that's within your heart. But isn't there a possibility that you'd be tempted to take advantage of the situation? Isn't there a possibility that you, as you thought about it, the person leaves and you, you're thinking about it a little bit more and you think, you know, business hasn't been good here on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. We don't get a lot of half-naked, half-dead people uh, coming in. And so, uh, you know, Eli's uh, educational expenses are getting higher as he goes to school in Jerusalem. And so, not sure how to handle this situation. Wouldn't it, there be a temptation to take advantage of the situation? The reason I bring this up is that I think this is one of the reasons we sometimes shy away from loving our neighbors. This is one of the reasons we sometimes think about what we could do with our neighbors and we think they might take advantage of me. They might take advantage of the situation. What if they become kind of needy? What, what if I end up being nice 
and then they think I'm their friend. What if they become a leech and they suck the life out of me? I can't do, I can't handle that in my life right now. And so I don't want to be taken advantage of. Maybe that's one of the reasons sometimes we don't show kindness, show love to other people. But you know what? I think that's the point of this story. This story is not about an equal exchange between a good Samaritan and a wounded traveler. There's no equality whatsoever. There's no fairness whatsoever. It's not, I'll take care of you, you take care of me. This is a balanced relationship. We are both highly functioning people and we're balancing this out once, uh, you know, with one another. The whole point of this story is how amazing grace is, that grace is never fair. Grace, by definition, is one-sided. Grace is lopsided. Grace is, is, that's what makes it so amazing, is that it is so incredibly lopsided, that, that God has shown so much grace to us, even when we don't deserve it. Grace is unmerited favor. And so the point of this whole story is, it's not supposed to be fair. It was never intended to be fair. So yes, you could be taken advantage of. Yes, you could be significantly inconvenienced if you actually love somebody the way Jesus challenges us to love people uh, through the Good Samaritan story. That could happen. I just came back from Cincinnati, literally late last night, our family returned from a visit there. It's where my wife is from, and we had a great time in Cincinnati, spending nine days eating Skyline Chili and Grater's Ice Cream. It was awesome. It was awesome. So terrific. So anyway, um, we were staying with a family uh, friend of ours, very close, close, long-term family of my wife, and, and I've known them for, for uh, the whole time that I've been married to Tammy, and we're close to them, and, and just an incredible, loving family, and, and I was reminded of the grace that sh- they showed to a neighbor many, many years ago, many, many years ago, probably 30 years ago. They showed grace to a neighbor who was in need, and that neighbor ended up, one could say, taking advantage of the grace that was shown. And over 30 years, that person continues to come over and pop over unannounced and go in and take food out of the refrigerator, et cetera. This family actually moved to a different neighborhood, and this neighbor now travels to the new neighborhood to visit them, pop in, go in the refrigerator, go swim in the pool, da, 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 da. and so it's this whole kind of thing, and you just watch, it's amazing how much grace and love that this family has shown this person and, 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 and her family. Yes, we can be taken advantage of. Yes, showing love to people means we may at some point have to have an awkward conversation where we address boundaries, and it's okay. Boundaries are fine to say, you know what? I love you, and I do want to take care of you and help you out, but I do have to draw some lines in terms of protecting my family and protecting, you know, my home and all that. It's okay to have boundaries. Showing love and grace to people doesn't mean we just, you know, completely open the doors to anything. We can have those boundaries. But even if we're taken advantage of, even if there's a possibility that we could be taken advantage of, it doesn't mean we stop saying yes. It doesn't mean we, we stop showing kindness and love to other people. We love them all. We let God sort it out. That's what we've been talking about here with, with this series. And so that might be one of the reasons that we shy away from the take advantage piece, but this good Samaritan, he did not. He said, any extra expense, he could have been totally taken advantage of, but he just said, you know what? I'm, I'm going for it here. I'm not gonna worry about that. 
What I love about the perspective of the innkeeper is he watched all this happen. He perhaps was tempted by the opportunity to take advantage of the situation. He sees all this happen. He gets a front row seat. He gets to smell the blood on this half-naked, half-dead man who comes into his inn. He gets a front row seat to this whole experience to watch the face, the eyes of the good Samaritan who's showing love to this stranger. He gets to see it all. He is watching how this person is showing love to someone else. People are watching. People are watching. And this innkeeper, we don't know how significant, how significantly he was impacted by this story, by what happened here. How much would he have been impacted by that? People are watching. Elsewhere in the New Testament, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says that uh, we, if you're a follower of Christ, we carry the message of reconciliation. We walk around as we go in and out of stores, as we go in and out of our place of business, as we go walk through our neighborhood, we carry the message of reconciliation, which means we are to be bridge builders, not bridge burners. Whatever the situation, whatever the difference of opinion, et cetera, we are the ones to bring the message of reconciliation. And in the next verse, Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors. We're Christ's ambassadors. You just think politically of what that means and, uh, in, in our own world, et cetera. We represent Christ. People are watching what you, if you're a follower of Christ, they're watching what you say, they're watching what you do, because you represent Christ. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. And people are watching to say, how do Christians handle that situation? How does a Christian respond in that situation? People are evaluating a 2,000-year-old faith system that has over 2 billion people worldwide based on you. How's that for pressure? They're, they're evaluating that they may have heard or read about Christianity and they wonder and they see things on TV and they hear stories and, and all this is happening over there and this is happening over there, but they are truly evaluating the depth and the, and the, the impact and the effectiveness and the, the, the way of Christianity based on you and how you live your life and what you say and what you do. You are an ambassador of Christ. My wife uh, annually volunteers with an organization downtown around tax time to, do, to offer free taxes for lower income families. And she's been doing this for a number of years. She has a tax background and, and uh, it's a great experience for her. She goes once a week and, and, um, and she is kind of a, a gatekeeper for the experience and it's a great service uh, that, that this organization provides uh, for, uh, for folks. At any given time, there's about 50 people in the waiting room, and they're all kind of waiting their turn and trying to see what the system is. Uh, my wife is kind of a gatekeeper to help them, the timing of when they go back to different accountants, et cetera, to, to walk this all through, and she makes sure they have their documents ready, et cetera. And she, uh, just uh, this year, a few months back, she came home and told me a story about this woman in, uh, of those 50 during the waiting room period. She was a Bible-quoting, Jesus-loving uh, uh, gal who was walking around and letting everyone know about her faith. And so during that, that long wait with the, among the 50, she was walking around and she, she was just saying, do you know my Jesus? 
do you know my Jesus? Let me tell you about my Jesus. And she would tell scripture and she would, she would quote and, and laugh and have a great old time and talk. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And here's about my Jesus. And talk about my Jesus. And she would talk all over. Everyone knew that she was an ambassador for Christ. People were watching. You couldn't help but watch. I mean, everyone knew what was going on there. And then finally, it was her turn. And she came up to Tammy, and lo and behold, she did not have her proper documents. And she blew a gasket. I mean, she just lit it up. She's, pardon my French here, but she's just, what the hell kind of dun, 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 dun. She is light. She is saying words that my wife hasn't heard since high school. She's calling my wife names that I had to explain to her later on what those mean. She, she's just going on and off and just yelling. And you guys, what kind of place is this? And she's just yelling and yelling and yelling and yelling and yelling. She's still an ambassador, Right? I mean, she just declared to the whole room, I'm an ambassador. And then here she is in front of all those people, making a bunch of people look at her and go, I'm not sure I want to get to know that, Jesus. And so the reality is that we, in our good moments and in our not so good moments, when you are in the middle of prayer and when you're in the middle of driving, (laughs) you and I are ambassadors And so we represent Jesus and we may be the only representation of Jesus to people that we interact with. We may be the only one that they get. So how are we doing? When you and I are hypocritical, which means that there isn't integrity between what we say we believe and what we do, when we have bumper stickers that say things or signs uh, uh, in our home that say things, but then we're acting differently than that or we're having relationships that are not consistent with what we say we believe and we are doing things in our private world, et cetera. When when we are living a hypocritical life, then we're basically communicating to people as ambassadors of Jesus, we're saying this whole Jesus thing is a joke. When we're judgmental towards people, then we're communicating as, as ambassadors of Jesus that Jesus is unloving, that he's, he's hateful, which is so not true. That is so the opposite of who Jesus is. When you and I withhold love and we withhold mercy and we, we withhold grace, then people miss out on how amazing the grace of Jesus is. You and I are ambassadors. If you're a follower of Christ, you are an ambassador and people are watching People are listening. How are you gonna handle the situation? What are you gonna say? How are you gonna respond? What are you gonna do? So here's the, here's the kind of practical piece here. How do you handle, how do you respond to those moments in life when people are saying, what's the Christian gonna say? How's the Christian gonna respond to the situation? Maybe it's conversations with a neighbor and they, they start going to difficult conversations and, and, and how do you handle those situations? Some people say, I don't do those. I don't do difficult theological conversations. I don't do theology. I'm gonna leave that to somebody else. The problem with that is that Jesus doesn't tell the Good Samaritan story and say, here was a Good Samaritan. Isn't he wonderful? Jesus finishes his story by saying, now go be one, Right? He doesn't just say, some people are good Samaritans and they're fantastic. He says, you and I are supposed to be one. There's a challenge in there for sure. And so we can't just say, I'm gonna leave that to somebody else. So 
So here's some good news. Here's the good news. The pathway from I don't know how to have those kinds of conversations to I can be an ambassador for Christ is actually pretty simple. And it's, it's one that would make sense to all of us. It's be prepared. It's be prepared for those opportunities that come before us. That, that most of us, if we want to be good at something, we don't just wish ourselves to becoming good at something. We don't just say, you know what, when the, when the time comes and there's an opportunity for me to play in a tennis tournament, I just hope that I'm good at tennis. <laughs> right? I mean, if you want to be good at something, you prepare, you train, you prepare for those moments. And so it's just simply a matter of, can we be prepared? If you wanna be good as an ambassador for Christ, can we prepare for the opportunities that Jesus sets before us? You know how to do this. There was a time when you didn't know how to drive. You might not remember it, you know, but there was a time, there was a time when you didn't know how to find things in the grocery store. But now look at you, just whizzing around. This one, this one will blow you away. This one will blow your mind. Just sit comfortably. There was a time when you didn't know how to work your smartphone. Seriously, seriously. There was a time when you're going, I don't, how does this work? How, Wi-Fi, what is, how do I get a Wi-Fi? How does this work? There was a time when we all, we all had to learn. You want to get good at something, you prepare for it. If you want to be a good ambassador for Christ, what are we doing to prepare for it? I want to wrap up this series with four layups. Four layups, and you kind of bounce those around and see if any of them make any sense to you, see if any of them help you, primarily having to do with conversations that we would have with our neighbors, with those who are exploring Jesus because you are an ambassador for Jesus. Four layups. Number one is ask good questions. Ask good questions. One of the most honoring things a person could do for somebody else is to, is to ask questions that the rest of the world is not asking. The world wants to ask shallow questions, but, but as, as, a, as an ambassador, if we go to those next level questions, we can ask very honoring, deep questions of people. That means we might have to set aside our own opinions, set aside our own stories, set aside our own agenda to just say, I wanna hear from you. I'm interested in you. Maybe nobody else is asking you these questions. And for me, if I wanna ask good questions of people, I need to be prepared for it. In the moment, I don't usually think of great questions. In the moment, we're at dinner, and there's that lull, you know, and you're staring at each other, and you hear the scrape of the utensils, and you're thinking, oh, what's a good question? What's a good, I, can't, I, can't, I can't think of a good question. So for me, I need to think about the question on the drive to the restaurant. I need to think about, okay, I've been, I've been learning about this person, this neighbor, this coworker, or whatever. I've been learning about their their family situation. We talked about this in, previously in the series. Do you know your neighbor? Well, I know that his mom is in the hospital. I know that his, his son is thinking about going to this college. I know that they just got a dog or whatever. So I'm thinking about them. I'm prepared for the opportunity to say, I'm gonna ask them thoughtful questions because I care about them. And I really, I really wanna ask them questions more about them instead of me telling them about me. And so thoughtful questions. Now here's, just as still as a part of this number one thing, if you want a conversation to move towards spiritual things, here's a suggestion for a question. Here's a possible question that I heard many, many years ago that I've just, I've just kept in the back of my head for any opportunity. Here's the question, real simple. 
Ask somebody, and you need a little bit of time for this. It can't be just like walking down you know, the street on the other side of the road. But if you have a little bit of time with somebody, you just say, what's your God story? That's a great door opening question that perhaps you could remember or recall. What's your God story? Because that question doesn't assume someone's a Christian, doesn't assume they've ever been to church. Everybody has a God story. A God story could be, you know what? I know nothing about God. We, we never talked about God growing up. We never went to church. Uh, I know nothing about God. That's a God story. Everybody has a God story. Or it could be, I had terrible experiences with church, with church people, with, with any kind of God. And so, well, let's talk about that. Or someone might say, I love Joseph Smith. Let me tell you why I love Joseph Smith. And they can just go on and on and on. And then that's their God story. Well, that's a great, that's a great uh, uh, open door for a great conversation. Okay, layup number two. Layup number two is this. Be ready with the classics. Be ready with the classics. Because what happens is if you have a spiritual conversation with somebody, um, time and time again, it will roll into one of the big theological questions. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? There are classic religious spiritual questions. They might not be important to you, but they're important to a lot of people who are exploring and seeking to find out who Jesus is. And so I think there's value in thinking through and not just saying, I, I don't like, those are tough questions. I don't wanna think about that. But to truly think about it, talk about it with your friends and your family to say, how might, where do I stand on this? What might I say to this? Is there something that would be helpful to me if, I was, if, I, if, if that was an important question to me? Go after the classics. For example, if a neighbor says to you, you know, my, my, my mom just died. And so you're a Christian, and I have a question. My mom wasn't a Christian. Our family weren't, weren't what you would call a Christian, didn't have any church background whatsoever. But my mom was the sweetest, most kind person you could ever imagine. So are you telling me that since she's died, she's gonna burn in hell and some jerk who, who checks the box of Christian on their Facebook page is gonna spend eternity in paradise? Can you explain that to me? That's a classic. So how would you respond to that? Would you be prepared to have a meaningful response to that? I'd probably say, I don't think people who are on Facebook are gonna be in heaven. <laughs> I'd probably say, I see no evidence of that. I don't want them there. So I'm, that's my, no, I, oh, I wouldn't say that. I, would, I might say, I'm, I might say, um, every faith system, every ex exploration of God is about reconciling the gap between us and a higher power, every, every faith system. And so with Islam, it's about the five pillars of Islam, that they need to do these five things diligently, perfectly, and if they do those things, then maybe at the end of the journey, maybe they will have access to the glorious paradise. But they don't know, they just hope on the journey. With Buddhism, Buddha says, Buddha's quoted as saying, I know a lot about humans. I know nothing about God. And so the Buddhist journey is this mysterious journey 
to say, I'm, I'm hoping I can get some of these pieces and I will explore this journey, but I really don't know how it's gonna end. And Hinduism is about karma. It says, I, I want to have karma go in my direction so that in the next life, that things will be better for me and I wanna continue to move towards this perfection, et cetera, et cetera. You look at any faith system and what's beautiful about Christianity is its clarity. It can be frustrating, but at least Christianity beautifully comes forward and says, said there is one pathway to God. It's not, a, it's not a big old mystery. There is one pathway to God. It is Jesus Christ. And there's crystal clarity on that, that all love and forgiveness and grace and mercy comes through the person of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us. There is clarity on that. And so then you can talk about pursuing God and different faith journeys with that. Are you ready with any of the classic questions? And we can be ready if we're prepared for it, if we wanna be a good ambassador in those opportunities, in those situations. Okay, layup number three is this. Listen, listen. This perhaps should be number one, but this whole idea of just being careful that we don't enter into a conversation, assume we know what they're talking or asking about, and we just roll into our essay response. Sometimes you just, just pause for a moment because I, I know many of you have experienced this before, that the question sometimes is not the question. You ever find in marriage, you're fighting, and you think, you know what? What we're talking about is really not the issue. This thing that we're spending all our time on and arguing about and disagreeing on, there's something else behind that. Often, the question is not the question. So, for example, if a neighbor says, says you're a Christian, right? Help me understand what happens to people in other parts of the world who never get to hear about Jesus. So what about people in Africa? What about people in North Korea who have no opportunity to hear about who Jesus is? You're saying your God's gonna send them to hell? Now that could be considered a classic question. That could be category number two, right? That's a classic question. Whenever I hear that question or a question like that that is very distant from the person personally, something that's the other part of the world about people that we've never met, et cetera. If it's something very distant from that person personally, I'm going to follow up by saying, why is that important to you? Before we go off and arguing about that question, yeah, what about, yeah, what about, yet about, or what about, we can disagree and argue for an hour and a half. Why is that in question important to you? Why is, that, why, why is that the question that surfaces for you? Why is that a big deal for you? To which someone might say, well, how? How can you trust a God who's gonna condemn somebody to hell because they were born on the wrong continent? Because they were born in the wrong country. How can you trust a God like that? How can you trust a God who allows a sweet woman to die a suffering death of an awful disease? Oh, we're really not talking about people from North Korea, are we? We're, we're talking about we're talking about your mom. And so sometimes if we listen, if we don't just charge into the, the argument, but we listen for the heart, we can have conversations with people that they so desperately wanna have and they don't even know how to ask the question. They don't even know what question they're trying to ask. But when we love them, when we listen to them, we can get to the heart of something. You don't have to be a professional counselor to love somebody. Does that make sense? 
Okay, so the fourth layup. Uh, we're winning this game, by the way. This is the fourth layup already. Fourth and final layup is, um, and this, this is, this is, I think this is the most important one, the one is most connected to the story of the Good Samaritan, and that is as we are ambassadors for Christ, as we're interacting with people in the world in which we live, show grace and mercy. Demonstrate grace and mercy. What I mean by this is that oftentimes passionate, dogmatic Christians will have interactions with neighbors, with people who are seeking Jesus, and we will bring in judgment. We will judge, we will correct, we will speak truth, because that's honoring to Jesus. Yes, Scripture says speak, speak truth in love, but when we're interacting with a seeker, with someone who's trying to explore faith, that's not the time to, to bring truth and, and, and point your finger and, and show them a this, that, and the other thing. That, that's the time when we show grace and we show mercy because a lot of people in our culture, they're expecting Christians to judge and correct and to speak truth. It doesn't woo them, it repulses them. It doesn't honor Jesus that we were willing to, to correct. It makes Jesus seem unloving. Let's show mercy and grace first and foremost. For example, if a neighbor comes up to you, let's just, let's just go for the big one. Neighbor comes up to you and says, my brother is gay. And so you, as a Christian, you and your tribe, how would you respond to my brother and his partner how would you respond if they visited your church? You see, that's not the time for us to bring judgment and correction into people's lives. Now, on that topic, uh, uh, many of us here in this room are going to have different opinions. We're gonna have different theological positions. We're gonna have, a number of you are gonna disagree with, with me on this particular topic, and that is totally fine because if we bring grace into the conversation, we can continue to enjoy fellowship with one another and learn from one another. My job is not to bring the sword of Christ into these conversations and wield it and swing it around. My job is to bring the grace of Jesus into these conversations. That's our job as ambassadors. So if someone asked me that question, I, I might say, you know, I have an understanding from Scripture about that part of sexuality, about homosexuality and what God's design is for a man and a woman in marriage, but God is not limited by my understanding of his word. <laughs> and sometimes we make the mistake, often we make the mistake of making sexuality the issue, and it's not. It is one of many issues. Let's not make it the issue. God is way more interested in other parts of your brother's life than just his sexuality and just my sexuality. Well, can we steer the conversation to other things, to bigger things, and bring grace into that conversation? To which somebody might respond to me and say, well, what, what things are more important than sexuality then? What? What are the big things that God is interested in? Now the door's open. What he's most interested in is your heart. It's your brother's heart. 
That's, that's, that's what it's all about. That's, he, he gave his life for your heart. Not to fight for some sexuality piece, for your heart. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Let's talk about that. That's what God is interested in. Can we have conversations that are grace-filled and loving? And yes, we can be intellectual about it. And yes, we can disagree. But you pour grace into that, and then we can keep talking. Okay, I'm, I'll wrap up here. I, I'm, I'm not expecting any of you to remember any of those four things. That I, I didn't start them all with the letter P. So I'm not a good preacher. You know, I didn't do that for you. Um, so I'm not expecting, but if any of those four layups are helpful, terrific, it's fantastic. The, the overall thing that I, that I hope we'd walk away from today is you are an ambassador of Christ if you are a follower of Jesus. You're an ambassador. It's not the others who represent Christianity. It's you. And so are you prepared for that role? People are watching what you do. They're, they're listening for what you say. Are you prepared to be a great ambassador? The Good Samaritan was. He was a tremendous ambassador. He handled this well, and Jesus, at the end of the story, he says, go. He says to the expert in the law, go and do likewise. Here's an example. Now go live that way. And so as we wrap up this series, I just want you to hear the words of Jesus here at the end of this story. Go, ambassadors. Go, followers of Christ. Go and do likewise. Would you stand? I want to uh, pray with you, and then we're going to sing one final song together. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this story. I thank you that, that it rings through eternity. This story has been resonating in the hearts of humanity for 2,000 years. And so, God, may we continue to be inspired by it. God, may we continue this week, the rest of this year, the rest of our lives, to think about our neighbors differently, to be willing to be inconvenienced, to be willing to even be taken advantage of at times for your sake, for the message of your kingdom, God. We love you. We trust you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, and we want to pass it on to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.